Thank you, choir, and our youth ensemble, and we're just so grateful for everyone who helps make our music and uh, that part of our service and our worship week after week uh, such a great part of our life together. I um, want to talk to you today about hope. Hope is a great word. Biblically, hope is such more... So much more than just a mere concept um, or something that's fleeting. Uh, some of you know that um, I like sports. Some of you know that I especially like college football. And others of you know that I particularly like my beloved Oklahoma Sooners. And uh, in my fanaticism for the Oklahoma Sooners football team, the high point of my fanaticism and all of my sports watching happened just a few months ago on January 1st. When I had the opportunity to go to Pasadena and to watch the Rose Bowl when Oklahoma played the Georgia Bulldogs. And uh, I went down to the game. I went with my brother and my nephew. And we had a, a great time. I was full of confidence and full of hope that my Sooners and their amazing offense would uh, go on and win. They had the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And uh, I didn't think it would be easy, but I thought that they were going to win the game. And they nearly did. And I went down with such great hope, I, I took down with me, and I, I gave my brother and my nephew also one, uh, those invisible dog leashes. <laughs> Have you ever seen those? They look like a, 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 a collar, and then it has a, a sort of a stiff wire, and, and as you're walking, it looks like there's sort of a dog, but the dog's not there. You just see the collar. And uh, of course, Georgia, their, their mascot is the Bulldogs, and so as I walk... Uh, down the streets of Pasadena during the parade, the Rose Parade, and all sorts of things. I was kind of needling the uh, Georgia fans, and, and I'd be walking my little invisible dog along. And, uh, and they, they would kind of cock their heads, and they, they knew something goofy was going on. And my brother and my nephew, they were too chicken to take their, their dog leashes with them. So occasionally I would ask them to walk my dog. And uh, the, the Georgia fans, they, they would ask me, they'd say, what, what is this? You know suspicious as they should have been. And I said, well, this is my, my invisible dog, my invisible bulldog. I said, oh boy. I said, hey, and you want to know something? They're like, what? I said, he's got a name. Do you want to know what it is? Yes. Not a chance. <laughs> so for hours walking the streets of Pasadena, I had a lot of fun with Georgia Bulldog fans. And, and when the game started, Oklahoma did amazing. They went into halftime leading 31-17. to 17. And even with their terrible defense, there was no way Georgia would make a comeback. And the kickoff for the second half happened. And uh, Georgia went in and scored two quick touchdowns. And, and my nightmare was beginning. I mean, it was awful. And it, the game went in. as one of the most historic uh, football games, college games, in a long, long time. And double overtime. And Georgia won. And my hopes were totally dashed. I know, be sad for me, would you? I was crushed. I took my dog leash and I bent it up and threw it in the garbage can. That was it. You know, hope is something great to think about and hope is something good to live with, but when we are in seasons where hope is fleeting, it becomes troublesome. And certainly there are many more serious reasons and seasons of our life where hope can get broken, right? We live in a world where wars and atrocities across the globe occur. We live at a time where economic fears run rampant. There are uh, groups of people in a country like ours where many are seeking justice for, for many different issues. There are some even in this church who uh, are concerned about their health. 
Sometimes a a friendship, a long-term friendship might come to an end or even a marriage and we lose hope. A, A career trajectory somehow goes in an opposite direction and goes sideways and and hope begins to fade and we are all people seeking for hope that actually might be lasting and might carry us through no matter what happens, no matter what the season and life can break us and life can leave us despairing. But the resurrection, the resurrection is all about restoring hope. The resurrection of Jesus is what helps us understand what hope is. And for you and me, our ongoing hope over the course of our life, a hope that's sustaining and lasting, is rooted in the ongoing life of Jesus. This is what I mean, that if indeed Jesus has been raised from the dead and His life is ongoing, then it gives hope for you and me that we too can have an ongoing focus on a future with Him. Hope is needed because of yesterday's troubles. Hope is needed in our lives because of past episodes of pain, of disappointment, of, um, of sorrow. When... We encounter the disciples in our passage this morning. You can begin to open your Bibles if you like to John chapter 20. But hope for the disciples, these are Jesus' closest followers. Hope uh, had been at an all-time high just the Sunday before Easter. Jesus had entered into Jerusalem and people were applauding His arrival. They were praising Him and they were saying, Welcome! You're going to be our king. And they had hopes that were not the hopes of God. They thought that Jesus would come as an earthly king and He would throw off the oppression of the Romans over them and and restore a powerful political kingdom just like David had done uh, many centuries or many generations before. But that wasn't what Jesus had in mind. And at the time where we will read in a moment, their hope had been totally shattered. You see, some of the disciples were present in the garden when Jesus was arrested on Friday and taken away for His trial and execution. Peter had been the one who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times, even knowing, even not admitting He even knew Jesus. And at this point, Jesus now had been executed. He had been put in a tomb, and He was dead and buried. The disciples find themselves isolated They find themselves in a place where they are scared for their lives. They are freaking out. What is going to happen now if Jesus isn't who we thought He was or isn't doing what we thought He would do? Now what's going to happen? They they are behind locked doors. Might they be next because they will be implicated in the movement of Jesus and they are scared literally to death. But out of this despair... Jesus enters the scene and He restores hope for them. Let's read in John chapter 20, beginning in verse 19. So this is the evening of that first Easter day. On Friday, Jesus was executed. The sun was down. The sun rose again Saturday morning. The sun set Saturday night. The sun rose again on Easter morning. And now it's the evening of that Sunday. It says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After He said this, He showed them His hands and His side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. 
Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. We're going to pause there for just a moment. And we want to be reminded that our ongoing hope in daily living and for forever life, is rooted in the ongoing life of Jesus. Hope is needed in our lives because of yesterday's troubles, because life rocks us at times, and it unsettles us at times, and we need something real and substantial to hold on to. So when we look back at the resurrection, we are looking at something substantial and very real. And that's why it gives shape for today. You see, Mary and Peter... And John, according to the way John lays out the story, they had already seen the empty tomb. And so now the the disciples are gathered, uh, everyone except Judas, who is now out of the picture, and Thomas was apparently absent. But Jesus shows up behind these locked doors, and and I love His arrival. Can you imagine at this this moment where He's first coming back to encounter the the disciples who who had been scattered and not knowing what was happening, and, and His first speech to them, his first words to them at that particular moment. I mean, I, I wonder what I might have said. I mean, I would have bumbled my words and fumbled along the way. And uh, I, I remember years ago as a 22-year-old and uh, someone who had never really traveled much beyond about a three-state radius. And uh, I had the opportunity to head off to, to Europe. And I found myself in Newark, New Jersey. I never even knew there was a Newark New Jersey, and I, I have my international airline ticket for Air France to head to Paris. And I'm trying to be brave, but inside I am freaking out. I knew about six words of French, and someone was supposed to meet me at the airport in Paris when I arrived. <laughs> I just prayed and hoped they would. And that's another story, I'll tell you, but that's a funny part too. Another day. But here I am, I, I, I wait in the airport, and I get on the airplane, and I'm in cut-off jean shorts, which was kind of the style of the day. I should wear that one Sunday, huh? I had uh, work boots on, right, with my shorts, because I thought that was kind of cool. And here, here I walk onto the airplane, and uh, uh, the flight attendant comes up, and he says to me, bonjour, and starts talking to me in French. And, and not knowing what to do, I just kind of smile, and I said, Howdy. Uh, you can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy, right? So uh, I, if I could go back and redo that, I might have thought of something better <laughs> to say that that very first encounter with the first international person I'd probably ever met. And off I went on my journey, sweating bullets. But here Jesus is with his disciples. Gather, they had gathered. He encounters them speaking for the first time. What is the first word he might say to them? What is most important for them in this moment? What do they most need to hear and most be filled with? And it was because hope had been thrown away. It had been crushed. It had been torn to pieces. What they most needed was a restoration of hope. And so... His word to them is, peace be upon you. And in this passage, he doesn't just say it once, he says it three different times. Peace be upon you. And this idea of peace is connected to the Hebrew idea of shalom. We, we talked about this last week, and if you want to uh, hear a little bit more about that, you can go to our church's website and listen to last Sunday's sermon. It's about 25 minutes long. And, um, but the idea of shalom is, is it, it, there's really no English word. Peace doesn't really do it justice because it, it touches in sort of a wholeness. 
It touches in, in relationships that are right. It, it touches into health and vibrancy of life. It's, it's an entirety of life that is right with God because God is with me and I am going with Him. And so when Jesus says, peace be with you, it is words, the words that would restore hope to them that had been dashed in the midst of all that was going on. Peace be with you. Jesus offers hope that shapes today. You see, it's about well-being and about this idea of Jesus walking with us. You see, peace in this well-being of God, it, it shapes today and it shapes our relationships. Knowing what it is to, to have the peace of Jesus, it, it gives shape to our relationships and it helps us know as a husband or a wife or as a parent how I am to, to operate in those particular relationships, how I am to guide my kids and how I as a husband am to love my wife and uh, on down in all of my relationships. The hope of Jesus brings uh, shaping to my relationships. It also shapes how we face difficulties and trials that emerge in our life when these challenges come, challenges that we would never seek out and don't even particularly enjoy, right? But the promise of God is that when you and I walk with Jesus, is that when trials come, we can actually face them with joy. Not because the trials are good in themselves, but we know that God says that through the trials, God allows us to grow in endurance and as endurance takes root in our lives, it's spiritual maturity that is the fruit of those trials. And so God walks with us on purpose through some of these things. And so the hope that Jesus brings gives shape to how we face these difficulties. You see, our ongoing hope is rooted in the ongoing life of Jesus. Finally this morning, hope delights in tomorrow. There's probably no greater word that helps us think about tomorrow and what is to come, not just 24 hours from now, but what about next month and next year? And what about even when I come to the point of my death? What can I hope in? Is there something real? Is there a promise of God that I can really cling to that's, that's meaningful? Perhaps there's no greater passage or person in the, the Bible that helps us know what restored hope in is than in the person of Thomas. And we'll pick up his story in verse 24. It says, Now Thomas, called Didymus, Thomas was a twin. Uh, he was one of the twelve, and he was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, a week later, Right? Jesus had met the disciples, the other eight, in that locked room. Thomas wasn't one of them. They tell him, Thomas, you're not going to believe it. This may sound ridiculous, but we've seen Jesus alive and well again. And a week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, could you imagine being Thomas at that moment? Hey, Thomas, come here. Come here. You see, Jesus, even in our doubts, Jesus doesn't lambast us. Jesus doesn't mock us in our doubting. Thomas, he takes and draws Thomas near. And he says, put your finger here. See my hands, 
Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Hope delights in tomorrow. Maybe maybe this very first Easter so long ago, maybe it was also April 1st. Maybe it was April Fool's Day. And maybe, maybe Thomas thought, you know, I'm not going to have the rug pulled over my eyes. I, I, I'm not going to be taken for a fool. I mean, imagine what it was unless the disciples had really seen the changed and resurrected Jesus in bodily form. And they likely would have come to him and said something like, Thomas, I know this sounds ridiculous, but this is what happened. It's because of the resurrection that, that the idea of, uh, of Christianity began to spread across the known world at the time. The resurrection of, of Jesus tells us that God holds our tomorrow. You see, hope and the hope that we have in Jesus and the reason the resurrection is important is for a couple of reasons. Number one is that we, we think about the cross of Jesus and His death as an exchange. Jesus had to die to remove that which blocks our ability to relate to God. That removes that, that, that blockage in our ability to relate to God. That's what the cross has done. But the resurrection and the reality and the truth of the resurrection tells us that if Jesus has been raised from the dead, that you and I have hope for tomorrow. Because the Bible also says that Jesus stands as a first fruit among many. So if He has been raised from the dead, guess what's going to happen to those who also believe in His resurrection and follow Him with their whole heart and their whole life? That one day they too will be resurrected from the dead. That is the great promise. And it is the promise that we who trust in Jesus have. That if He first was raised from the dead, that we too have the promise that you and I will live forever in His goodness, in His kingdom. The resurrection tells us that God holds tomorrow so that hope can be ongoing. Hope can be steady in your life. Hope is based on something substantial and real. Hope is what Jesus comes to offer you so that you can have hope. Peace be upon you so that you have peace with yourself. Peace in your relationships with others, and the well-being that God offers to you. This is the ongoing hope which is rooted in the ongoing life of Jesus. So you might ask, how is this lasting hope gained and maintained? Well, part of it is coming to a place of taking Jesus into your life. It's taking Jesus into yourself. This is what the Bible talks about when it talks about a new life, being born again, being changed and transformed. In verse 22, it describes Jesus as coming. And in that moment, He says, Peace be with you. And then it says that He breathes upon them. That's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> and He says, Receive the Holy Spirit. Well, the word used there for breathing upon Him is the same word used back in Genesis chapter 2 in that description of the creation moment when God is, is forming people out of the dust and He's breathing His life into them. And so now the resurrected Jesus comes to the broken disciples gathered in fear, lost all hope. He says, peace be among you, peace be upon you, and then He breathes life on them again. 
so that they might begin to taste the resurrection life and power that Jesus offers. The Bible says in another place that I want to know Christ and the fellowship of His sufferings and the power of His resurrection. The imagery is for life, for new life, new purpose, new meaning, and new hope. And so how do we take Jesus into ourselves? It begins with an openness to God, an open-mindedness toward God, an open heart toward God, a willingness to say, this is the life I need. I, I don't have this sense of wholeness and, and happiness and the peace and, and a, a forever hope that God provides to me. And I desire that, Jesus. Won't you come into my life? That's a beginning point. And then the Bible instructs us, finally, to, to begin to share our life with Jesus. One of the most enduring images of all of Christian life is found in John chapter 15 when Jesus says He is like the, the vine that's rooted in the ground. And that vine, as it's well nourished, it provides nourishment to all of the branches that are connected to it. And here's how He says it. He says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you abide in Me, if you remain with Me and share your life with Me and let Me share My life with you, I will nourish you. I will give you not bread, physical bread, but I will give you spiritual food that will feed you and build you up and make you strong. I will give you rest and companionship and guidance and peace. Peace. Peace be upon you. The hope restored is what Jesus and the resurrection helps us think about this morning. Father, we pray this day that You would help us to know again hope. Perhaps there are some, maybe many today, who once had great hope for their life and it has been dashed and shattered for some reason or another. And they look today for something that's lasting, hope that is real, not just based on fanciful tales or, or wishful thinking, but hope that is based in the reality of what You have done, Jesus in your being raised from the dead, the thing that altered the course of human history and so transformed those early disciples that they couldn't help but to say, this may sound crazy, but this is what is true. Jesus is alive again. And because you're alive, Jesus, you have our tomorrow held safely in your hands. But many of us need to trust you with it. Many of us need to come and, and to trust You with our life and, and to share our lives more with You. And so we ask You this day, Holy Spirit, that You would come and, and You would stir our hearts and You would draw us to Yourself so that we too might hear the words, Peace be upon You, so that through those words You would restore the hope that we so desperately need. And we thank You in advance for what You might be pleased to do in us, we pray. Jesus now. Amen. Amen. As we always like to do, we uh, have a closing song, and it's an opportunity. Perhaps you have sensed some strange.